Welcome, welcome to the Sharpway Show. I'm so happy that you've joined me on an early edition. Yes, usually I know I wind up showing up on time or late. That's true. Today I am early, an hour early. I hope that some of you aren't stuck at dinner or something, whatever. Maybe you took today off because, I don't know, you knew I was coming on early. Anyway, Larry Sharp here. Happy to have you on the Sharpway. Monday AMA. Yes, ask me anything as always. And I want to start it with something that I often start Mondays with, and that's something from one of the Sunday shows. It's usually how I begin things to kind of get the question and the Q&A going back and forth for any of these AMAs. And today is no different. And I'm going to use one of my favorites. You know, my two favorites usually are Smirkanish or Fareed. Today I'm doing Smirkanish because he brought up something that I think is really an important question, and he brought some important pieces up that we really should be thinking about regardless of what side we're on. What I mean by that is, are we beginning to not believe, or do we already not believe our institutions? And while you might go, yes, Larry, fight the power. I, I get that. My worry becomes, though, if we're all fighting the power and then we're all looking for truth, life is good. But if we're not all looking for power, uh, for uh, fighting the power and looking for truth, but we're just looking for our truth, yeah, now all of a sudden we have everyone with different facts and no one believing people and bigger, bigger problems. And he brings up a very valid point. And I want to share it because I believe Smirkanish often, I mean, he is a CNN guy, but he's, he's one of the fairest CNN guys, if not the fairest, you're going to find. The coming crisis of confidence. I'm Michael yes. Smirkanish in Philadelphia with a question. How did a novel bat coronavirus get to a major metropolis of 11 million people in central China in the dead of winter when most bats were hibernating yes. and turn a market where bats weren't sold into the epicenter of an outbreak? When asked that way, the lab leak theory of the origin of COVID-19, it sounds quite plausible. So he's bringing this up now, which I'm happy he brings this up now. And for those of you who are thinking that already, you, you're thinking like, about time, right? What's wrong? What's wrong with you? Now you're figuring this out. But the point is, he is saying something that makes sense. Look, if you had asked the question this way, then everything would have changed. If if our institutions had asked the question the way he asked it a year ago or more, a year and a half ago, we would be thinking very differently the way we thought for the past, I don't know, year and a half, whatever the case may be. But we didn't. We just went to our experts, and I say our, meaning the people that we believe individually were experts, and we took what they had to say, or the reverse, we were against people because we didn't like them politically. A newly released investigative piece by Catherine Eban in Vanity Fair raises that question mm -hmm. and a lot more. This analysis has accelerated a conversation long overdue. Yes. It tells the story of how a loose network of sleuths of varying scientific expertise spread around the globe. So diversity of thought with unity of purpose. What I speak about all the time, what I say is the goal of all leaders, diversity of thought with unity of purpose, usually, not always, obviously, there are always exceptions but usually get you the best result, right? If everyone's thinking differently, but all focused on the same goal, now you're rocking and rolling. 
That's when you usually get your best outcomes and use your savviest plans. Again, not always. It doesn't always work that way. But your odds are severely increased if you can make that happen. The problem, of course, is that's not what we did. We went, hey, you expert, what do you say? Hey, you person in authority, what do you say? And then we decided, do we like that person or not? And then we decided that person was right or wrong, not based upon actual science, based upon whether we believe them or not, because we liked them or trusted them. And that was it. And all of a sudden, everything else got shut down. And there comes the biggest issue. Everything else becomes shut down. Undertook an examination of a theory of COVID origin that was initially discounted by -hmm. those whose job it was to figure it all out. Yep. Together, they formed a group called Drastic. Decentralized Radical Autonomous Search Team Investigating COVID-19. Come on. Is there a better libertarian-sounding name? You got decentralized in it, radical in it, autonomous in it. Oh, my God. It's amazing. And, of course, it's a team. Libertarians aren't against teams. We like teams. Voluntary teams. This is what that was. Yes, it was voluntary teams. It's amazing. People deciding, let's get together and make something happen. And they create drastic. Now, of course, the problem is when you hear the word drastic, you think, well, these people must be nuts. Why? The name says they're nuts. Drastic. They're radicals. Obviously, they must be wrong. Uh, Maybe not. One founder was a data scientist who works for a bank in New Zealand whose Asperger's syndrome gives him a professional advantage in finding patterns in data. You're supposed to say he's on the spectrum. You're on CNN. You should know that. You should know the PC ways. You're on CNN. You should know that. You guys are all about, well, MSNBC He's more about PCs. I guess maybe I'll give you a pass a bit. So it's fine. But while he was building a plausible case for lab leak, more than two dozen scientists released a statement in a respected medical journal saying this. We stand together to strongly condemn conspiracy theories suggesting that COVID-19 does not have a natural origin. Now, if I remember right, the Lancet was the same place that said that uh, vaccines caused autism. I think that was the same, the same, I think it was the same publication. I think that's right. I'm sure someone will correct me if that's not right, but I'm pretty sure that's correct. Now, why does this bother me? Because if you hear what McConish was saying, he was literally saying, and I agree with him, he was saying there were a group of people who are out there now trying to figure out what the answer was. Those people on Drastic weren't initially saying it was a lab. They weren't saying that. They were saying it might be a lab. Let's go do some homework and figure out if it is. And that's the right answer. The problem is we picked a side before we had any research versus saying, well, we don't know where it's come from yet. How about instead we try to figure it out and come up with some real science and say, look, here's where it comes from. Now we know. That's not what happened. Now, this group got together. Now, why did they come together this way? You might think, well, hmm, I wonder why. It's because they hate Trump. Maybe not. I mean, I'm sure for other people that was true. But maybe not for these guys. It may have been something simpler. We're going to do a little Occam's razor here. It may be something even simpler. Now, to be sure, there were crackpots. That's true. And political hacks. And that's the problem. When the crackpots and political hacks jumped up, these people jumped aboard and said, see, they're all conspiracy theorists. You can't believe them because they're all conspiracy. Th- and every conspiracy theorist is by default crazy, right? That's what everyone, what, what they were all saying. 
And a lot of Americans got scared. And we thought, do we want to believe in conspiracy theorists? Aren't those crazy people? Maybe we shouldn't believe in them. And it began to work. Hoping to pin the origin on a Wuhan lab in the hope of gaining a cudgel on China. Yep. The boost to then President Trump. After all, it was Trump who said early on that he had seen classified information. Yes. Indicating that the virus had come from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. When asked what the evidence was, he said, I can't tell you that. I'm not allowed to tell you that. But the question. Now, that, that's the issue, right? Trump said it. And the second that Trump said it, immediately people went, oh, we can use this as, to use his word, a cudgel, right, to beat up Trump. Therefore, Trump said it. Therefore, it's wrong. And there clearly were enough Americans, tens of millions of Americans, who hated Trump enough to believe whatever Trump says is not true. Trump says the sky is blue. It's green. It's just green because Trump said it was blue. So there were enough people who thought that. But the reverse, too. There were enough people who said, oh, it must be true. And in fact, because Trump said it and because Trump didn't do any more. And this is one of Trump's issues that he's dealt with. Trump is okay with people believing kind of whatever they want to believe as long as it's good for him. Now, in this case, what Trump should have said, it came from a lab, but I don't believe yet that it's a Chinese conspiracy. Because the first, what happened is once he said that, everyone assumed, oh, Chinese conspiracy. Reality, it probably wasn't a Chinese conspiracy. It probably didn't come from the lab, but it probably was just incompetence or mistake or something that happens. It, prob it probably was that. Now, we don't know yet, obviously, but to be safe, what Trump should have said is something like that. If he had said something like that, less people would have used it who were trying to beat up China. It would have changed that a bit. Let me grab some comments. There's already popping up comments. I'm sorry. I mean, a bunch of these. So let me uh, grab a couple of comments if I could. Yes. Um, how stupid do they look now? Yeah, yes, Tom. And this is why I'm sure this is CNN. You go back a year from now. CNN will be calling Scottish right now uh, an idiot, a conspiracy theorist, a dummy. They'd be calling them everything horrible, and, and they were. They were calling everybody who thought that it wasn't that some kind of idiot or, or, or dummy. Of course they were. Yes, absolutely. Adrian says, never made sense to me when they said retrovirus sequence in the spike protein. I don't know what that means. And so it doesn't make sense to me either. So we're together. Absolutely. Yes. Gary says, and yes, being a, a bottleneck and opaque and dismissive of many ideas and theories and facilities totally damaged credibility and confidence. Carrie, so good that you're, love that you're watching. Yes, Carrie, uh, you're totally correct. That's, this is my bigger problem, right? And you've seen it already. This is my, you, this is my bigger problem. The problem is, have we learned from this? Have we now said, oh, great. So let's have more open-ended thought in our institutions. Let's have more of our, um, you know, experts be better at communicating. No, no. If that was the actual outcome of this, totally worth it. That's not right. We're still going to just go, oh, wait a minute, who said it? Oh, Biden said it. Okay. Therefore, if I support Biden, it's true. If I don't support Biden, it's false. So now our credibility and confidence in our institutions is even worse when it should be better. <laughs> As you've all heard me say a thousand times, in my perfect world, right, in my magical, awesome world of leprechauns and unicorns, where government is tiny and it's just there for things like a central repository for information that people could actually trust, that would be amazing. But imagine if that's what our government was. 
just a central repository that people could go to to find real information. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah, that's a fantasy, obviously. But that's what it's supposed to be. We should move towards that. That That's all it does. It just gives you info and you make decisions. You go, you know what? Who do I trust? You know what? I trust this institution that we have to pay taxes for and it bombs people for us. So, we, so because of that, I have to trust them because I do trust them. But now people don't. So I would ask you, who do we trust? Right? Who, who do we trust? And it becomes people that we just believe in for other things. So I believe Smart Connors is a smart guy. So now he tells me about what car to drive. And I go, okay, I guess I'll drive a car there. But is he a car expert? No. And driving a car may not be critical. But getting a vaccine or not, maybe that's critical. Believing where a, a, a virus came from, that could be critical. So, yes, absolutely. Let me go a little bit further if I can. Oops, hold on. Let me go a little bit further if I can. He, he has a couple of minutes and he keeps bringing up more points. Now is whether people in government and the scientific community, fearful of being drawn into national political debate or of being cast as nativist, yep. did not pursue a theory that was worthy of exploration. That's exactly my point. I'm very glad that CNN has finally figured this out. This is a good thing. My point is, though, will they, have we learned from this? What Smirkane is saying here is true. We absolutely should be doing. We should be looking at all of them, regardless of whether Trump says it, Biden says it, whomever says it, and checking out. But we didn't. And of course, the people who were, who were, the people who were taking advantage of this left-right, it wasn't because of left-right. Eban conducted a months-long investigation, interviewed more than 40 people, reviewed hundreds of pages yep. of government documents, and found this. Conflicts of interests Bingo. stemming in part from large government grants supporting controversial oh. virology research. So government money was the reason why they did this? Yeah. Yeah. This is yet again the government throwing a left-right paradigm at us, acting like it's all about the, some culture war against Trump destroying America or Biden destroying America, whatever it is, when in reality, you know what it was about? Government money. Cash. Government money. Grifters and rent seekers taking cash from the government. That's what they cared about. And they used the I hate or I love Trump part of America to, to try to cover that up. Yeah, eventually we figured it out. Hampered the U.S. investigation into COVID-19's origin at every step. In one yep. State Department meeting, officials seeking to demand transparency from the Chinese government. They were trying to demand transparency from the Chinese government, right? Trying to demand transparency from the Chinese government and say they were explicitly told by colleagues not colleagues. to explore the Wuhan Institute of Virology's gain-of-function research because it would bring unwelcome attention to U.S. government funding of it. Now, here's the issue. So many things, so much to unpack here. I mean, so much to unpack here. So what actually happens is people are saying, okay, we got a virus. We got a problem. All right, let's, let's, let's do this. How do, we, how do we figure out what's going on with this virus? Well, it happened in China. We know that. So let's head on over and get some transparency here, right? So you would think that all the scientists would say, well, yeah, let's, let's figure out what's going on. 
So the scientists go, Shit, stop. Don't, what do you, don't ask questions. Why? How are we going to get our government cash? Who else is going to fund this stuff? This stuff is dangerous and literally uses a weapon of mass destruction. Who the hell is going to fund it except the government? If you start, you know, making the, the government look bad, they'll stop funding it. We're out of a job. Shut up. That's basically what they said. And this wasn't like Chinese government agents telling them to be quiet. This was their own colleagues. This was Americans. I'm sure it was Chinese people too. I'm sure it was them also. But it was also Americans going, Kai, shut up, shut up, say nothing. That's why they came out and said, oh, no, 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 it wasn't a lab. It's a, it's a bat or it's a pangolin or whatever. It's all that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Boom, That it's all that. That's the piece that drives me crazy. That that's what it actually was. And then, of course, they realized, oh, we can just, we can just like, we'll give Trump a little bit. He'll say something. And the second Trump says something, America's divided. We'll have them fight over the I hate Trump. We'll have them fight over that. And they won't notice that we're scamming government money to check out stuff that's insanely dangerous and that literally could kill millions. They won't know. And it almost worked. That's the hard part. It, the terrible part. It almost worked. It's over a year and it's coming out. Over a year. And now it's coming out. Wow. Just wow. And all we have to talk about is, well, you can't have private companies doing this stuff. What happens when the government does it? It's any better? But here's the worst part. I was talking, was the last week, week before, people were talking about, you know, well, China, will they have any, um, will there be any, you know, damages that they'll uh, do? Or will, will, will they pay any money for this? No, it's China. They'll just deny and pay nothing. But actually, if it was a private company doing this, there could be consequences. There could be consequences. There will be no consequences at all. There'll be no consequences whatsoever. None. Don't even imagine consequences. There'll be none because it's government doing it. Therefore, it's okay. In the summer of 2020, when State Department leads had gone cold, they got a tip from a foreign source. Mm -hmm. Key information was likely sitting in the U.S. intelligence community's own files unanalyzed. In November, that lead turned up classified information that was absolutely arresting Mm -hmm. and shocking, said a former State Department official. Three researchers at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, all connected with gain-of-function research on coronaviruses, had fallen ill in November 2019. November 2019. November 2019, they were like, shut up, it'll be fine. Say nothing. So look, I'm not saying that Trump was perfect on this. Clearly, he wasn't perfect on this. But what do you think Fauci and his people were telling him? Just to be fair, I know some of you hate Trump. Please don't be mad at me. I'm trying to be fair to everybody. I've hammered Trump when I thought he was wrong. And I'm being fair and saying good stuff when I think he's right. So please don't be mad at me, you guys who hate Trump. I know some of you do. I get I, I get your tweets and such your DMs. I know some of you can't stand him. I know. All I'm saying is, in this case, what do you think all of Trump's advisors were telling him? They were telling him, don't worry. It's good. Shh, don't say nothing. It's probably the mean Chinese people. Or maybe it's a bat. Don't worry. It's fine. Whatever. They were doing whatever they can to just say, shut up, shut up. So, of course, Trump was like, oh, it's not bad. Yeah, it's not bad. And Trump is Mr. Exaggerator. Again, whether you like him or not, we all know he is Mr. Exaggerator. So when they said, don't worry about it, he was like, oh, then it's going away in five minutes. And then he went out and he exaggerated. And now, of course, that's not what happened at all. And boom, this is 
It was all about the money. ...and appeared to have visited the hospital with symptoms similar to COVID-19, so said three government officials to Vanity yep. Fair. The reaction inside the State Department? Holy shit. According to one senior yes. official who recalled the instance. We yes. should probably tell our bosses. And the investigation roared back to life. Yes. And remember the guy with Asperger's? Well, in January of 2021, there was an international fact-finding visit to Wuhan. A dozen international experts visited. They were told that the lab's database of some 22,000 virus samples had been taken offline to prevent a hack during the pandemic. See, they care about us. They were trying to protect us and they didn't want to get hacked during the pandemic. See the Chinese? They care about us which seemed to make sense. I feel the love. Except that the ad hoc group of investigators at Drastic figured out that the database was actually taken offline on September 12, 2019, three months before the official start of the pandemic. So that we can't find anything. And all the scientists say, be quiet, so they can cover everything up. So here's my takeaway. Yeah. First, that the lab leak theory is plausible. Yes. And you probably, look, I love you, Smokhanis, I do. That's why I show you so often, you're probably the fairest guy on CNN, right? You probably are the fairest guy on CNN. I just kind of wish you had said this about a year and a half ago. But yes, I guess I should say better late than never. I guess that's true. Should have been a year and a half ago. Not but assured, fine. but plausible. And you're also right. It is possible that that's not true. It could be something else still, which is also smart. You wait to do the investigation and then decide this is right or wrong. It is absolutely possible. It may it may not be that. It's true. Maybe. Second, that politics and bureaucratic turf wars hampered the full exploration yes. of the lab leak theory. Government money. My ongoing larger concern is the damage this is going to do to public confidence yes. in other institutions at a moment when we can least afford further erosion. This is the point that I am concerned about more than anything else because – This part not only goes to this, it goes to vaccinations. It goes to elections. It goes to war. Do we believe the next time the American government says that someone's got weapons of mass destruction? Do we believe them anymore? No. And what happens when they actually do? Do we believe when when the government says we're getting ready to get attacked by somebody? Do we believe them or not? Do we believe if the elections are true? Clearly, we're fighting on that one right now. A lack of confidence is a critical piece, which is why I am 100% in in support of a full investigation from both sides, people who disagree and agree to where the coronavirus came from, where COVID-19 came from, and also the election too. I'm not happy with the Arizona investigation because it's one-sided. Am I against them going through the the elections again? No, but not one-sided. Why? Because here's the biggest issue that we're coming up with. Let's say they find out that the COVID-19 actually came from a Chinese uh, um, lab and it was it was some spy trying to sneak it out. I'm making this up. I have no idea if it's true. I'm making numbers. It, it was actually some try trying to sneak it out, messed up, screwed up, and it escaped. That's what, I, let's say they come on and says it happens. Who's going to believe him? If the right person doesn't say it, half of America is not going to believe it. We have to have the right people say it now to reestablish confidence. And if some people say it, it'll be wrong on purpose. If Trump says it, half the country won't believe it. 
even if it's true, it won't matter. It's irrelevant if it's true or not. If Trump goes, well, see, they're like, no, nope, that's not true. I lies. That's the stuff they made up. This is our problem now. We have to constantly have two, two sides. Two. In the Marine Corps, I used to call it two-man integrity. You got to have two people saying everything the same every single time. Everyone's together. What happened? Everything's the same. Has to always match. Two people, two-man integrity. We have to have that now. We have at least two people from both sides, if not another and a neutral person for every single thing. If we don't, we are not going to gain confidence in our system institutions. And if we don't have confidence in our institutions and our systems, why bother having them? And I'm not joking. They will actually wind up doing more harm than good. Because if we don't trust them, then every time they take action, half of America thinks they've been cheated or crushed or betrayed. That can't be good. We're seeing that with our judicial system. What guy do you put in jail? Oh, it's because they were scared of this and they were scared of that. Was he really guilty? Now, that too. So we don't trust our courts. We don't trust our government. We don't trust our uh, our our um, experts, uh, medical experts. What's going on? The future is dark if we can't get back to trusting our institutions. Let me grab a couple of uh, uh, comments here. I appreciate all the stuff that you guys are coming up here with. Let me grab a couple of them if I can. So Jonathan says, as an institution, the LP, what do you think about the issues brought up brought up about racism and such with the elements like the Mises caucus. Um, I'm going to say stuff that will make some of you unhappy, but I'm going to be very forward. Um, I want the LP to do one thing and one thing only get 50 state ballot access every four years. Otherwise I don't care what it does. I know some of you can be, what, but the mess, I don't care. I don't think anybody's paying attention to our messaging at all. I think no one's paying attention to us. Democrats, Republicans aren't watching our, our our stuff. They don't care about us. We're not. We don't do anything. They don't care. We, we haven't made an impact at national level forever. So they're not watching. Going, wait a minute. I was going to be libertarian, but now I'm a state Democrat. Nobody's doing that. They don't care. Um, the person or people who come to our movement don't come because of LP.org. That's not why they come to us. They come to us because they hear an individual. They hear somebody out there saying stuff that makes sense. They hear uh, Tommy Brown. Hooping and hollering about uh, cybersecurity, which he's been hooping and hollering about for over a year, two years now. Maybe how long? Is, I don't know how many years now, Tommy. However long it's been, years uh, with an S. And all of a sudden, they go, "That guy makes sense." That's what brings people to our movement, right? They hear somebody. They see me on TV or uh, on YouTube. They see Justin Amash on TV this weekend, right? That's what brings people to our movement. The LP is just get us fifty state ballot access. The rest, I don't, I don't care what you do. I don't care if you even have a Twitter account. I don't care. I don't have one. I have a website, I guess, that points to local stuff. I don't care. I was on the LNC. I don't care what it does. As long as it gets us ballot access, eh, I'm good. Get ballot access. Get us on the ballot. What's going to move this movement forward is not going to be uh, the LP. It's going to be candidates that draw talent into the LP. And that's the issue. So the the more the, the LP gets smaller, the 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 less valid it becomes. I want it to be bigger, which means more people coming in and more candidates. So that's the issue. The second uh, piece, the Mises Caucus. I know people are mad about Mises. Mises is horrible, all these bad things. Okay, here's my response to you. If you're unhappy with the Mises Caucus, if you think they're bad and they're racist and whatever you think, okay, I'll recruit them. Seriously, that's, that is not flippant. It's what I did. It's what I did here in New York. I out-recruited everyone else around us. 
right? The LP used to be one of the smallest, weakest parties of the third parties in New York State. It is now basically the only independent party in New York State that isn't a Republican Democrat. It's the only one. There's no other independent parties in New York State anymore. Just aren't. The only independent party that exists in New York State is the Libertarian Party. Why? I just out-recruited them and, and we out-recruited people. That's it. Out-recruit. That is my answer. So if you don't like the Mises Caucus, okay, no worries. They're bad and evil. All right. Out-recruit and get the right people aboard and, and poach their members because you got the right answer. Get the right people, poach their members, and you'll defeat them that way. I think you can. Of course you can. But what's the old saying? Good ideas don't require force. I say you do that. Um, I hope that answers your question, Jonathan. So um, Joe says, there are more things government does that we shouldn't trust, but isn't generally known. Ah, yes, Federal Reserve. Well done. Yes, absolutely well done. Um, Should we have confidence in the party because of infighting? That is a great question, Jonathan. um, That is a good question. Let me give you a, a couple of ways I view this. It isn't an easy answer because you use the phrase should. So should we? Yes. Why should we? Because there's nothing else. I have literally called on record. I think it was Reason Magazine. I think it was when I said the Libertarian Party is a dumpster fire on wheels. But without it, I'm walking. So I get on top of that dumpster fire and I keep trying to put the fires out until I can get us into a spot where we can buy a better vehicle. I do not see a better vehicle. If you see one, I'm open to a better vehicle. I don't see one. I cannot see a better vehicle. It is by no means a great vehicle. It is a disaster in many ways, but it doesn't mean it's impossible. And I don't see anything better. I guess I could stay home and do nothing. I guess I could ignore it. That is an option and people choose that option. I could try again to fight as a Republican or a Democrat. You could try that. People have been trying that for decades. It hasn't worked yet. I guess another option for you. I do not see the two major parties as as viable vehicles, and I don't see any other movement as a viable movement. Every other movement requires you to convert. The reason why we fight so much, this is both a good and a bad thing. It's a bad thing in that we fight so much and people get upset, but it's a good thing also because you can be as liberal or as conservative as you want to be and still be libertarian as long as you don't want to use force to move your your agenda forward, which means we're going to have liberal people and conservative people in the same room in an American environment that says you're supposed to be enemies. And people that come from those two with that baggage, when someone comes from the Republican or right or conservative side into the Libertarian Party, they come with that baggage. Progressives are evil and mean and Democrats are dumb. And when they come from the left or the more progressive side, they come with that baggage. Conservatives are stupid and Republicans are mean and nasty and evil. They come with that baggage. So now they come with that baggage. And now they're in the same room with people who a year ago they thought were evil or bad or dumb or insert bad word, right? If you come from the left, the word conservative is not a descriptor. It's an insult. If you come from the right, the word liberal is not a cons- is is not a descriptor. It's an insult. So when you when now you walk in the same room, yeah, you're gonna fight. I get it. The advantage though is you're in the same room. So if I have the option of you fighting in the same room or not being in the same room, 
I'll take you fighting in the same room. Because if we have a uniter in that room, and we have more and more candidates who are able to do that, more and more candidates are able to do that. And candidates, when it comes to the LP, and I'll be clear, there's a difference between the party and the movement. The movement does not require the party. It exists without the party. However, it is much stronger with the party. The party is a separate entity also. It cannot exist without the movement because the people come from the movement into the party as activists and as volunteers and hopefully draw other people from outside the movement into the party. The party can easily, the party all, will often draw people in because of personalities. The, the, the movement often draws people in because of ideas, uh, because of movements, things like that, but also personalities. But the party is much more about personalities bringing people in. So anyway, uh, yes, it's hard. Should we have confidence? Yes. And here's why we should have confidence. It's been around for 50 years. People have tried to take it over for 50 years. And they failed to take it over for 50 years. So the odds of it going under, I think, are slim. But if we, one of the reasons why it hasn't succeeded is because we had a, we had a culture of join the party, run for office, lose, leave, call the party losers, never come back. That's been our culture for 50 years. That culture is changing. If you've noticed, Jonathan, people now are staying longer. They're holding on a little bit longer than they used to. He's just going and going. I thought, and I am pleasantly surprised. Now say it publicly, and I said it the other day. I thought that Joe and Spike would do what they all do. Run and leave. Never see him again. I'm happy. I'm happy that I was wrong. I'm happy they didn't leave. But everyone else did. So I assumed they would too. They didn't. Thank you for not leaving. But I thought they would because the rest of them do. So that is part. I know some of you don't like Spike. I don't like Joe's fine. If you don't like Spike or Joe, whatever, you don't have to like them. But the point is, my point being, whether you like them or not, is that they that most of the time they would leave. These guys didn't. That's that's what I think is another example of of us having more staying power and maybe being able to make changes. I, I hope that was clear, Jonathan. I know you asked a couple of questions. I hope that was clear. David says, Larry, always good to hear your voice. Keep the good work. I'm trying, brother. I'm trying. I appreciate it. Yes, I am trying. <laughs> Carrie says, bingo, government invested money in something they shouldn't have and then wanted to avoid everyone knowing about it. That's never happened before, Carrie. That's the first time ever. Yeah, I, I wish it was. I wish it was. Absolutely. Dustin says, it's just a game for both parties. They don't care about people. They just want their team to win. This is one of the hardest things for most people to understand. It's it's not just they want their, their team to win. They then want to set them up for the next win. So there's never any long-term thinking. It's just how do we win the next one? How do we win the next one? It's every two years winning the next one. And now the way it is, it's become so divided that now you can't even cross the aisle. There has to be a special caucus. I'm not making this up. There is a special caucus. I think it's called the the Problem Solvers Caucus. I think that's correct. Or Problems. It's something like the Problem Solvers Caucus. That is literally people who are Democrat and Republican in together. And you can't join the caucus unless you bring someone of the other party with you. Now, while that sounds amazing, I love the idea. What a great idea. You're there to solve problems. Nice. The problem is if you're not in a purple district, you can't join. 
you're in a deep blue or deep red district, you get primaried. You're finished. That's the hard part. And redistricting starts what? This year or next year? Is it this year? I think it starts this year, right? Yeah, it starts this year for next year. I think that's how it works. But whatever it is, whenever that redistricting happens, ah, it's going to be nasty. Because the Supreme Court was so incompetent that it said, gerrymandering's fine. How stupid was that? Some of the stuff the Supreme Court does is so insanely bad. And that's one of them, right? The other worst one was corporations or people. Wow, was just clearly and obviously wrong. Just clearly Anybody will tell you a corporation is not a human being, it's not a person. Obviously not. And they went, yep, so is. Now, gerrymandering, that's fine. Literally destroying our country state by state, county by county. They're like, yeah, totally fine. Do that. What could go wrong? I don't know everything. So anyway, you're correct. Yes. David says, if it wasn't for the 16th Amendment that allowed Congress to levy an indirect tax, gain of function wouldn't happen. Um, hmm, I'm not sure. Mm. I'm not sure. And the reason is, I they really could have found another way. I'm not pro Sixth Amendment, David. I, I, I don't want to say that. But I, I think what you're saying may be a little bit too superlative, right? It may be too definite. I think Congress could find other ways to make that happen. I think they could have. Again, I'm not pro city amendment. I'm not saying that. But there are many ways that, that Congress can find and hide money. And Congresses, Congresses and assemblies have been finding ways to scam money for centuries. Um, so I'm not sure that's, uh, again, not pro city amendment, but I could see them finding other ways. Uh, Lassie Giraffe says the government never fails to discuss. The funny thing is every once in a while the government does something good. It does. And then do something good. People go, see, government, good. All right, it did something good. Yes, I'm sure Stalin did something good. I'm sure Mao did something good. I mean, I can't name one, but I'm sure if you went down the road, maybe, I don't know, Mao gave somebody food or something. I'm sure it is something good. It doesn't mean that they're good. It doesn't mean the government's good. You're right. It always discuss and sometimes does something good. All right. And sometimes by mistake does something good, but sometimes purposely does something good. It does once in a while. Yes. So, all right. The Daily Mail also reported 39 million from the Pentagon went to Echo Health and possible. Is that right? From the Pentagon. See, it can go anywhere. They could have, see, that, that's my point, David. It, it, now, I'm sure income taxes a lot, but they could have found other, they could have tariffs. They could have other ways to go to, you know, well, it's military or whatever. Bonds. They could have done anything. Found that cash. And then shoved it over anyway. I think they could have. I think they could have found another way of doing it. So, yes. All right. Um, David is all, you give him like three or four 60 members. You're all about it. I got you. Sam says, the Chinese government seeks to act as a company on the global trade stage. Good point. Yes. It, it pretends to not be a company while acting exactly like a company. I'm sorry. That's not, let me clear on this one, Sam. It pretend it pretends, creates a facade of not being a company while it acts like a mega corporation, not even a company. It acts like a mega corporation. Maybe it's better. Um, until they can be held culpable for some damages. Then all of a sudden, threaten war for investigating shock and awe. You bring up something else too, right? Fareed talked about this ooh, a week ago. And he brought up the idea that the Chinese have been jerks recently. 
Like now that they're the big boys in the block, they do. They threaten all the time. They threaten economic sanctions. They threaten war. They threaten all kinds. Remember they had the uh, the, the actor, J- John Cena? Is that right? Apologizing in Chinese. He was like, I surrender Chinese government. I'm going I'm to apologize in Chinese because I call Taiwan a country. Now I'm apologizing Chinese for that. Wow. That's some power right there. That's some power right there. Yes, 100%. So uh, let's see if I can go down here. Mm-mm. Tom says, AMA, I've read a couple of articles where a couple of countries in the country have revised downward COVID. Yes, Tom, I'm glad you brought this up. I brought this up probably six months ago or so. The issue is there's uh, even the governor of New York, um, my Lord and Master, His Majesty King Andrew Cuomo II, all hail the king. Um, he actually mentioned that when when they were getting mad at him about the um, about the uh, COVID deaths, the, the people he sent to the nursing homes to die, he was trying to pretend like it wasn't that bad. See, because not all of the, the people that I sent to their death died because of COVID. Some died for other stuff. And, he, and if I remember the phrase he used, it was presumed COVID deaths or COVID presumed deaths. So what happened was because the, the nursing homes were getting cash, the hospitals were getting cash, if it was a COVID death, right? Because taking care of COVID, the government was giving hospitals cash for it, right? So they couldn't do their other things. Like if Tom says, you know, I want to have a, a procedure done because he wants to get his eyes done so he can look super cool. So he gets his, he wants to get his eyes done. Well, the hospital would usually do that, but they couldn't because the government said, you may not do that. You have to keep beds open for COVID patients. So they lost all that money from people getting, you know, Botox and eyes fixed or whatever else they would do, cosmetic stuff, whatever, the that kind of stuff. They couldn't do it. Right. So my shoulders, you know, messed up, do my shoulder, can't do my shoulder, none of that stuff. So you could make cash. So they could either say some guy dies, the guy dies of pneumonia. Well, that's like, you know, whatever, 4,000 bucks or whatever the government pays you for that. Right. It's COVID. Oh, 26,000 bucks. So am I sure? Sh- am I sure? Was it COVID? Was it pneumonia? COVID. Was it the flu? Was it COVID? COVID. Because he wanted the cash. And I'm not making this up. Do your own homework. It's true. The government was paying more for COVID deaths. So they had many deaths. They didn't know what they were. So they said, well, if I don't know, COVID. If I know what it is, there's documentation that would get them screwed over if it was obviously something else. But if it wasn't obvious for, and I'm not making this up, say some guy gets shot. True. I'm, I'm, it's going to sound crazy. Some guy gets shot. Boy, he gets shot. He comes to the hospital. So he's not, he doesn't die. He's not mortally wounded yet. We don't know. He's wounded, doesn't die. He comes to the hospital. Well, he comes to the hospital. And when he comes to the hospital, he gets pneumonia. Is pneumonia because he was shot in the lung? Is pneumonia because of COVID? We don't know. He dies. That's a COVID death. I'm not joking. That's a COVID. He got shot. But he did, but we don't know. Did he die from the bullet? Mm. He came in, he got, he was COVID positive when he died and he had pneumonia. COVID death. And I'm not joking, that kind of thing happened often. So now that they're going back and trying to figure out what actually happened, a lot of them are going to come down. I said, uh, I wasn't sure what the numbers were. I, my gut said it's about, I, my, this is just my personal opinion. I have no date on this. Take it for whatever value you want to take it. My gut says it's about 40%. We're not actually COVID. I think about 60% were COVID, about 40% were not. That's what my gut tells me, only because I looked at some basic data on how many people usually die in America and then how many people died last year because of it. And it was, 
I remember we lost about 500,000, if I remember right, from COVID last year. And we had about 300,000 extra deaths last year than, than is normal, something like that. So I thought, well, three out of five is probably really COVID. So about 60% is COVID. And that's just my rough estimates. We'll see in the future what it is, but a lot of countries and local counties um, are lowering their um, their death rate because they're realizing it actually wasn't COVID. It was something else. You're, you're right. Still, COVID's real. This is not a hoax, but it, Tom, you brought up another piece, right? When, when they change the numbers, what's that going to do now? It's going give, to give people more of a reason to not believe institutions. See, you guys were lying. See, it was never true. So why should I believe you on the election or education or war or masks or the next outbreak? It just makes stuff worse. Instead, if you remember when I talked about this, when I put out my videos, now almost 18 months ago, right? Is it 14 months? Whatever, whatever it is. In March of 2020, I put out my videos about how to handle COVID. One of the first things I said was, Tell people what you don't know. Be forward and ask for their help and tell people up front. We don't know exactly where these deaths are coming from. They might be COVID. They might be, you know, people dying of old age. They might be pneumonia. We're not going to know for a while. So the numbers I'm putting out, they're guesses right now. And I would tell the American people this. Tell New Yorkers this. I'm not sure yet. And then they go, okay, he's not sure yet. They might want more, but you don't give them lies or, well, we're just going to say it is because we have to act like it's true. And you might say, well, Larry, why did the government do this? Because they went right to violence, Tom. They went right to lockdown, shutdown, shutdown school. Violence. They went right to violence. And when you go to violence, you have to have a valid reason for violence or you're a monster. So they had to have, look at all these people dying of COVID. And now you can't go back. You can't go back. You have to, you have to double down. Because you use violence, because you put people in jail, because you shut people's stores down, because you stole their money. You can't go back now, can you? So you double down. But I'm telling you, you're right. That's going to happen more and more of that. My gut says about 60% was real, 40% was not. We'll find out what the numbers are. All right, so if I keep going here. All right. Um, Andrea says, what's the difference between a conspiracy theory and the truth? I I guess 12 to 16 months. Well, in the case of UFOs, it's like 40 years, right? Andrea, was it like 40, whatever it was from the 40s? So 60 years, whatever the number is. Big number. So depends upon the conspiracy, I guess, right? Are we going to find Bigfoot all of a sudden? Is that next? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe Bigfoot's the next one. Maybe Bigfoot is throwing the UFOs. Maybe that's what it is. I know I'm joking, but I'm not. I mean, it's, yeah, absolutely. So let me see if I can grab some more of these. Thank you for that, Andrea. It's, it's good. I think it's sometimes maybe more than 12 to 16 months while I'm saying. It's at least 12 months. How about that? It's at least, I'll go that. It's at least 12 months. That's better. So yes. Um, Eric says, I believe Larry Sharp. That's all. Oh, and that Tim O'Connor uh, guy. Tim O'Connor, I believe him too. Tim O'Connor's cool. He's savvy. By the way, he's on a free solution uh, noon during the week, just like I am. I'm on tomorrow. I think he's on Thursday. I think that's right. Tim, Tim will, will, will know. So check him out. He is rocking and rolling. Tim's the man. You should absolutely do him. That's exactly right. Yes. Doug says, totally true, Larry. Yes. And that is my concern. My worry is exactly that. My worry is that this is going to be something that it's, it's going to be a pain for a long time. That is my biggest issue. So by the way, guys, 
for those of you who uh, who are, are paying attention, you care, do me a favor, like, comment, share. As I always say, let people know I'm doing this. It does matter, absolutely. And by the way, if you want to help me out, my sponsors are the Advocate for Self-Government. You can head over to the Human uh, Human Respect Test. Click the link right there that's actually in the, the show description. Click that link. Take that test. It's like five minutes, not even three minutes. Take that test. And when you take it, after you take it, share it. You do that, my sponsors are happy. And they're the ones who are helping to pay for this and get my team rocking and rolling and move things forward. So thank you so much if you can do that. If you've got the cash, you like what I'm doing, then you know what? Sponsor the show. Head over to patreon.com slash sharpway. Throw me 10 bucks a month if you got it. If you got big dollars, I love it. If you're super wealthy, throw me 100 bucks a month because you got all the big bucks. If you don't have it, no worries. 10 bucks is fine. But if you don't have even that, no worries. You can just like, comment, and share. That's free and still helps. And the human respect test. That's free and still helps. If you want to join this show today, you want to come on in, talk to me real fast, no worries. Message the Sharp Way Facebook page or the Sharp Way Twitter page, and I'll bring you on. But not just that, please like and subscribe. The Sharp Way social media pages. It does matter. When they cancel me on Larry Sharp, I got to come up to Sharp Way. So please do me a favor, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, all of them. It really does matter. I appreciate it. All right, let me keep walking down this road here if I can. All right, Tim says, I love my crazy friends. Yes, we love you too, brother. It's, it's, this is a back and forth thing. Yes, this is back and forth. The giraffe says, even when Trump is on the right track, he's the cringiest possible messenger. That's true. He, he, he does exaggerate. He lets people think things that they probably shouldn't think. That's true. I'm just saying in this one, he wasn't wrong, right? Just because you may not like what he's saying, it doesn't mean he's wrong. And this one, he wasn't. I know some of you guys who hate Trump are like, what? I have to hate Trump. You can still hate him if you want to. It's fine. You can still say he was right in this one. That's all. It's easy to dismiss his theories when he believes whatever suits him, swims in hyperbole, and rants about the Kung flu. Yeah, this one I'm going to, I'm totally set on, on board with you, Giraffe. I mean, I, often you and I agree, and this one I agree also. I didn't mind him saying the Chinese virus or the Wuhan virus. That didn't bother me at all. I thought that was accurate. I thought it was real. I thought it was fine. Uh, people got mad. And, oh, he's a racist. And, but that goes to, to people who already didn't like him and wanted him to be bad guy. So that happened. But again, to be forward, he kind of walked into it with Kung Flu. I mean, he was asking for them when he did Kung Flu. I didn't like Kung Flu either. I really didn't like it. It did it to your point. It made it easy to dismiss it. It made it easy to dismiss him. It made me not like it. I didn't like it. It didn't taste good. And you might go, well, Larry, but it's fact. It doesn't matter if it's facts. Politics. Politics is heavily emotional. And Wuhan virus didn't bother me. Chinese virus didn't bother me at all. It's like saying the the South American, uh, South African um, um, strain or the you know the UK strain. Eh, it's fine. Kung flu. That's where he went too far, and that's what I mean by his exaggeration. He just went too far. So Andrea says you're wrong. I'm not sure what I'm wrong with Andrea. Can you tell me what I'm wrong about? I'm happy to have the conversation if you let me know um, what I'm wrong about. Happy to have that. Jonathan says, during a BP debate, Kamala said um, uh, she wouldn't take the vaccine if Trump said to. And they wonder why someone will take it because Biden said to. Jonathan, exactly right. Nicely done. Yes. Those are, oh, well. Remember, um, even uh, Cuomo said that. Well, you know, I don't trust the federal government. We have to have our own people check this out because New York people are... I guess, smarter than federal people? I guess, I don't know. Uh, but that's what he said. 
And then all of a sudden Biden won. Oh, well, it's fine. It's fine. Because Biden, I guess, has magic powers. I guess. It's great. If he had magic powers, he didn't fix our country then. I wish wish Biden had magic powers. That'd be amazing. So, yes. Uh, Mr. Queter, how are you, sir? Says, we definitely need to be a big tent. And we definitely need to grow our talent. This is a piece that, yes, yes, and yes. We're going to have an issue for those of you who are paying attention in 2024. 2024, the odds are there's not going to be an incumbent. And if, because the odds are, I think Biden's not going to run. So either they'll throw, they'll throw Harris up there. It's one they'll do. They'll, they'll throw her up there or they'll have a, if, if she's, if they think she's too unpopular, then they'll have some kind of primaries or they'll ask her to step down or BVP for the next person or whatever. So the Democrats will do what they always do. They'll, they'll make a deal, which is what they do. They'll make a deal and they'll put somebody up, but it probably won't be Biden. Well, either Trump runs or he doesn't either way. Trump is not an incumbent if he runs, or if he doesn't run, then it's not an incumbent either way. So no matter what, there's no incumbent. If there's no incumbent, man, people are going to want to run against them. What's the only party that has a chance? I just talked about it. Why you should, Jonathan, trust the LP. We're going to have 50 state ballot access again. We're going to be the only other vehicle to get on the ballot in all 50 states. You're going to see people come out of the woodwork and be like, oh, I was always libertarian. Really, Ted Cruz? You were always libertarian, always libertarian. Like they're going to come out of the woodwork, right? If Trump actually runs, all the non, all the never Trumpers will come to us. If Trump doesn't run, all the would be Trump supporters, if the, if the Republican party, you know, if, if Trump loses power in the Republican party, then all the would be Trumpers will come to us. So either way, they're going to come to maybe both. And plus to your point, Thomas, we are building our own team. So more of us are now ready also to run, right? We're building our bench. So now homegrown libertarians are actually bigger, stronger, better, faster. So now we have our own homegrown plus the outsiders coming. It is going to be a cage match, cage match. But this is why we have to grow. If we don't grow our own talent, guarantee you 2024, an outsider will be our nominee. If we don't grow our own talent and we are growing it, let's keep growing it. This is a good idea. Let's keep doing it because if we don't, an outsider is going to be our, our, our nominee in 2024. This is not what I want. I, depends. Some outsiders I might take depending upon the outsider. Maybe, mm, maybe. So yes. Um, good ideas don't require force. I would agree. Yes, absolutely. So, all right. Um, Thoughts on ranked choice choice voting. I am 100% on board. Um, I'm actually, I just joined a group. Believe it or not, Howie Hawkins asked me to join the group. Yes, the guy who ran for governor in uh, New York against me, with me, alongside of me, I guess, in 2018 with the Green Party, and also ran for president in as the Green Party in 2020, asked me to join an organization. So I just joined them recently. So now I'm going to be going to their classes and such and talking to them. So I'm a big fan of ranked choice voting. Yes, absolutely. Yes. So, all right. Um, Tim O'Connor said this on Twitter. Imagine if, if you will, a party whose cockeye were all focused on growth instead, though, something, something gatekeeping. That would be nice. I would like that. Absolutely. I do like that. Yes. Uh, Andrew says Cuomo said today that if 70% of the people get vaccinated, New York will turn to normal. Oh, well, look, if 70% of you do what the king says, you will get your privileges back. 
No, I didn't say rights back because in New York State, you don't have rights. You have privileges that his majesty grants, you know, at his leisure, at his pleasure, at his pleasure. So do as his majesty says, and he will give you your privileges back. He is a generous God. We're very lucky to have him, Andrew. We really are. Does that mean he'll still berate the people who, who call him a walking disaster with the perm? Yes. He will still insult you. His insulting won't change. You'll just get your privileges back. Don't be greedy, okay? I mean, he is king. Yes, I'm teasing all you people. I am teasing. Yes, absolutely. So, all right. Um, let's see. Eric says, best kind of voting. Too bad it probably never happened nationally. I'm not sure that's true, Eric. I think ranked choice voting is on its way slowly. We already have it in New York City for primaries. We have it in, is it Nebraska? I think Nebraska and also Maine. Someone will correct me, but I think it's those two states. And it also passed in some other state. Yes. I've forgotten. But it is, it's on the move. So I don't, I, I think eventually it will. I don't know how long that will be. The point is, will the LP be ready for it? I hope we will. To Thomas's point, I hope we are building our farm team so that we're ready for it when it happens. That's what I think. Last Giraffe says, I don't think the infighting is as widespread or as terrible as social media or the podcast circuit make it seem. When libertarians different stripes come together, they're usually pretty decent. This is a valid point, right? When the problem is when we don't have an outside enemy that's clear and obvious enough, we tend to fight each other. And how do we get that enemy? Usually it's by having someone, again, I know you guys drive you crazy when I say this. The LP is, it's most powerful when it has a popular candidate running. When a popular charismatic candidate is running, it brings us together because we want to get him or her elected. It gets us moving together. And then the other people become our enemies and we get together. And that's when all of our bannermen gather together in our, in our confederation to actually win. I think that's the issue, right? And I hope that 2022 brings uh, more people on the more of a national level. And 2024 obviously will. When we do some more of that, I think that's when we're going to be rock and roll. So, yes. All right. Um, let see if I can keep doing this. John says, ask Torino the next sacrificial lamb. Does he stand a chance? We'll be running again. I have a lot of signs and other campaign stuff to recycle. I appreciate that. Actually, John, there are in New York State, uh, if I remember, there's four Republicans running. Um, Astorino, who ran in 2014, he was a county executive. Was it Westchester? I think I think he was Westchester County Executive, if I'm not mistaken. Um, also, Giuliani's son is running. Um, and, mm, I forgot a guy's name. Is it Andrew Giuliani? Yeah, well, I forgot. No, another uh, Giuliani's running. Um, Lee Zeldin, who is a congressman from Long Island, he was Trump's lawyer. He's running. And, and there's a sheriff. I've forgotten the sheriff's name. He's running also. It's four people running on the Republican line. The question is, will the Republicans actually do a primary? Um, the Republicans, Republicans in New York tend to be like Democrats are uh, nationwide, which is Republicans in New York tend to not want to do primaries. They tend to want to let the party bosses pick who they want to pick. They don't like doing primaries. So the odds are they'll try to just pick some guy and go, you know what? It's Zeldin or it's Estorino or whomever. And then the conservative party will probably just go, okay, that's what you're picking, done. And they just do that. So the odds of that will happen unless I decide to run. And if I run, that will change things, right? If, and, I, and I'll be deciding, you asked the question, um, I'll be deciding by August. This summer, I'll be deciding by August, I'll decide. Maybe earlier, but by August, I'll decide. I'm actually looking right now at what makes the most sense. I don't want to run unless I think I can really make impact. If I can make impact, I'll do it. 
because again, I'm going to shut my business down, shut everything down, run and kill myself for a year and a half, give or take, so that I can make this work, so I can make real impact, raise all the money I got to raise, all that kind of good stuff. So I'm not against doing it at all. I just, if I'm going to ask you, John, to take time out of your life, to get back out there, sign waving, to show up to my events, to give me more money, I'm going to ask you for all of that. I got to be able to produce something that you go, all right, I'm glad I did that. And if I don't think I can produce that, I don't want to do it. I'm not prepared to bug all you guys to do stuff unless I can give you something that that um, is valuable. Right now, I'm only asking for 10 bucks a month. That's what I'm asking you for right now. Or, you know, subscribe to my stuff or, you know, take a test. That's what I'm asking for now. Why? Because I'm giving you something I think is valuable enough for that. But for me to run for office, and John, you know, if I run, I'm going to ask you to come to every single event that's anywhere near me. I'm going to ask you to be online, pumping my stuff all day long. I'm going to bug you for money on a a weekly at least basis. That's what's going to happen if I run. Well, for me to do that to you, I better give you some value. So you go, yeah, it's fine. Let him bug me. Fine. He's giving me value. That's what I have to do. And if I don't think I can do that, I'm not going to run. If I think I can do that, then I'll run. And I'm, I'm doing my homework now, deciding if that's something that I want to do. So I hope that's clear. Um, my gut tells me um, Zeldin looks like he's the most popular guy to be the, the nomination, the, the Republican nominee right now. But if I run, that would change because then the Republicans would decide, do they want to support me? Do they want to let me run in their primary? Do they want to not? Will they be scared of me? Will they not be scared of me? All those things would happen. Without, without me in the mix, it's going to be whatever. Whomever, Zeldin, I think, against Cuomo because Cuomo's going to run again and Cuomo's going to win probably by less than 10 points this time, not like 30. He won by 30 points last time. I know you non-New Yorkers can't believe it. He won by 30 points last time. He'll win by like 10 is what will happen if I don't run. So that's why another reason I'm considering running. Do I really want Cuomo again? No one's going to stop him if it's not someone like me or some other outsider. Only an outsider will stop Cuomo. Republicans are not going to stop Cuomo. It's impossible. You know our state. Our state's three to one Democrats to Republican. Only person who's going to beat uh, Cuomo is someone who can get Democratic votes and someone who's not linked to Trump. And most of these guys are linked to Trump. Astorino's not. Astorino's probably the, the, the best of that group. He is not linked. Everyone else is linked to Trump. Astorino's not, which I'm, maybe that's why you brought it up, because I think of the group of those who are running, probably Astorino has the best chance of making the most impact, is my gut. He's run before, downstate Westchester guy, not linked to Trump. So that means New Yorkers who are not Republican will vote for him. Most New York Republicans like Trump. Most do. And, but, but they will vote for the Republican, whoever the Republican is, whether that Republican is linked to Trump or not. Democrats in New York state are not voting for someone linked to Trump. Ashford is not. So he can get Democrat votes. So I hope that was clear. So, all right. Um, Tom says, I like the infighting. I hold it up to my friend, in the cults. Ooh, as an example of how the party should act. Look at you, Tom. You know, I've said similar things. And, you know, if you look back and some of you who are, are watching, I know Tom, he got gray hair like me. We're old enough to remember the difference between, say, a Reagan Republican, a Bush Republican, and a Trump Republican. Very different Republicans. You know, a, a Carter Democrat, um, a Clinton Democrat. An Obama Democrat, different Democrats. And now, I mean, even the, the, the Biden Democrats are closer to Bernie Democrats sometimes. So you look at Democrats now. So even they're all different. And you might say, well, why? They're still Democrats or Republicans. Because each of those in the parties, the parties aren't parties, they're tribes. And the tribes are affected by the warlord on top. 
So when Trump is at top of the of the heap, Republicans are more like Trump. When Bush was on top of the heap, Republicans are more like Bush. When Reagan was on top of the heap, they were more like Reagan, right? Each one. And same for Democrats. Clinton, different, right? Clinton was, compared to Obama, Clinton was a moderate, right? Compared to Obama. He was a moderate, right? Compared to, to com, com, compared to Carter, Obama is a warmongering, just warlord from hell compared to Carter, right? I mean, they're just, they're different. So everything changed on that part. But Libertarian Party isn't the same, right? We don't have warlords. I can call myself, I'm the king of all liberty if I want to. I can call myself that and I'll be laughed off the stage because that's not how it works in our party. We actually worry about principle and ideas and people yell at me no matter what I say because I'm never going to hit exactly the right principles for everybody. So people are always going to be upset at me about something. It doesn't matter if I'm the warlord or self-proclaimed warlord or whatever I might think I am. It doesn't matter. So it's a valid point. We actually have principles we stand on, which is why we fight. It's true. So, yes. Um, Kyle says, Harry Brown for life, MFers. Harry Brown had some good stuff. I mean, it's true. 100%. Absolutely true. Yes. So, all right. Let me see if I can keep going. Um, Eric says, first time I voted in the past year, 42 years old. Nice. Voted Libertarian across the board. Oh, Eric, thank you, brother. Just wish Liar was in the battle for president. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate that. But uh, the odds of me running for president now, oh, well, obviously last year, no, I, I wasn't going to at all. But even in 2024, slim, I think, I would have to be the most popular libertarian in the country in 2024. And the odds of that happening are slim to none. But it's possible if all of us libertarians walk away and leave and get pissed off and join Democrats, Republicans, maybe if all that happens or if I all of a sudden explode and become the most popular guy, become the next uh, Joe Rogan or something. If that happens, I would consider. But unless that happens, I would I would absolutely, though, take a vice presidential slot because the VP slot in the Libertarian Party is support staff. And would I support someone else running? A hundred percent. If somebody is going to run and, and give us the power that we need, I will happily take that VP slot if that person wants me. Person doesn't want me, no worries. I'm not angry. They don't want me, no worries. Only one person, well, two people actually wanted me last time. Only two people asked me to be their running mate last time, last year. People don't know this. Vermin Supreme and Judge Jim Gray. And when I talked to Vermin Supreme about it, I was like, how much money can you raise? He was like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm like, we got to make some impact, man. And he was like, I don't know, don't know. And when he, then, he, then he went and got Spike. So then, then it didn't matter after that because he went and got Spike. And, and Judge Jim Gray, who I stood by him until he didn't get the nomination, and I dropped out because I didn't want to be a VP of someone who didn't want me. I played that game in 2016. It doesn't work. So I said, I'm not playing that game again. So the only time I'd run for VP is if somebody wants me as their VP, then I would, then I would do it. Otherwise they should get who they want to get. I'm good. That, that's my view. So, all right. Uh, so if I can grab this here. Um, what other choice do somewhat sane people who believe in liberty have? Tim, I, I, yes, you're right. That's why I really think it's true. Yes. John, this is I follow fakeotarians and the issue of racism from elements there in the LVMC is an issue that can be used as a cudgel to beat on the party proper. I'm happy to stay small L civil libertarian. No, I, th- there are some issues. Absolutely. Right. Fakeotarians, for some reason, hates me, too. I don't know why they hate me, but they, it's all of them. For those of you who don't know, most of the caucus or caucuses leadership, they're not fans of me. And I think it's because I always say I don't care what happens in the LP. 
and they want me to care more. And I, I just don't. So I think most of the time they don't like me, that part of what I do or what I say. So, um, but I, I do think that Fakertarians, for those who don't know, that's a, a group within the LP, the LP or the movement more. Are they part of the party? I guess part of the party. Um, they, they fight against the Mises caucus um, constantly, back and forth all the time. And my point is, right now, no one's looking. That's my point, Jonathan. The average person isn't looking. Now, might they beat us up on us later? Maybe. But there's so much bad stuff libertarians have said. I, I know I, I sound almost dismissive, and I don't mean to be. It's not my goal. I'm not trying to be dismissive. I'm trying to be realistic. Do you think, and I'll use New York State as an example. Do you think that anybody who's running in the two major parties is looking at any of our social media? I mean, maybe some people. Do they care? No. We're not a threat to them. I can't wait till we are a threat to them so they will actually look at our social media and be worried. I can't wait till that happens. That will be amazing. If you guys remember, those of you who, who watched my run last time, they, the polling came out uh, early on when I was running. And I was polling at somewhere between 6 and 8% in internal polling in Republicans and Democrats when they were polling. And the Democrats went, oh, we don't care. We're going to win by 30 points. Larry Sharp said nothing to nobody. And Democrats ignored me the entire time. Completely blew me off. Didn't care at all. Thought we're going to win by more than 30 points. So we don't care what Larry Sharp does. And Democrats ignored me the entire time. Never cared about me at all. Republicans saw that. I'm like, oh, we're a little scared. So we'll put a little bit of energy on him. And then there was a, um, and then there was an interview in some area in Western New York. I forgot where it was, Western New York. And the Republican candidate was there being interviewed. And one of the reporters said, you know, how are you going to handle Western New York? You know, Western New York is sharp country. And when that was said on a local TV station, all of a sudden, every bad thing that was about me also came coming at me, thrown at me. I mean, and most of it was completely fabricated. I'm a, I'm a Cuomo plant. I hate law enforcement. I'm against, I, I, I'm, I'm for, what was it? Um, I, I just, I just want to uh, support uh, presidential candidate. I mean, all just came out. None of it was true. And didn't matter. It was relevant. So here's the reality, Jonathan. When we become valid, they will find horrible things about us. And if they can't find it, they will literally just make them up. They will sling mud at us either way. It is irrelevant whether we actually have it or not. I would rather us not have it. But we're fighting over things that don't matter. Remember all the bad things that came out during Gary Johnson or came out during Joe Jorgensen? Yeah, no one does except us. They don't remember. They don't care. They don't remember. They don't care. Doesn't matter to them at all. So I, I know I'm sounding flippant, but let's become a force to where they care about us. Right now, they don't. So I'm not worried about an internal fight between two groups of people that nobody cares about. Sorry, nobody outside my party cares about. What do I care? They'll get mad at each other, yell, call you the names. But when you could produce a candidate that somebody wants to vote for, then I'll care. You produce a candidate, then I'll start caring. If you notice, whenever I step in any of these fights, and I rarely step in any of these fights, the only time I ever step in is to defend a candidate. If anyone's paying, I don't know if anyone's paying attention to these fights. I think, and, and not me. Like they can insult me all day. I ignore them, and they do. They insult me. I see nothing. Whatever. I'm a bad guy. Whatever. I'm a whatever. Fine. I'm a bad guy. But when they insult another candidate, that's when I step in because I want the candidates to stay. I care about candidates tremendously.
So anyway, I hope that was clear. And I hope you'll, you'll, if you don't want to be an actual libertarian, I get it. I just hope that when the right candidates pop up, Jonathan, you choose to vote for the, li the libertarian candidates when they come up. I'll take that. I'm good for that. So yes. Matt says, can libertarians believe in social safety net? Both Friedman and Hayek believe in UBI. Friedman endorsed a universal catastrophic health care plan. Can we believe in things like that and not because of the party? I hope so because where I stand. First off, of course you can. Lots of people do. But again, this goes kind of back. This, this kind of um, goes back to what Tom was talking about. And that is, but well, people are going to fight you. But I think you can't be in a party. There are going to be people who are much closer to ANCAP or anarchists who are going to be like, well, why that? That's bad. And explain to you why you're wrong and why the other idea is better. Of course, it doesn't mean you can't be in the party. But what it means is people in the party are going to expect you. You don't have to, but they're going to expect you to be able to defend why. And I do. If you've noticed, I have never, ever said, get rid of the social safety net. Never said it. People say, why do you think it's the right answer? Of course not. Well, then why would you say, don't get rid of the social safety net? Because there's nothing else right now. And my response is always the same. That is right now, government is always a monopoly and a jobs program. So how can you disband it? You can, but if you disband it, what's going to happen? Nothing's there. So people either aren't serviced or you've asked for a black market that a, that a community is not prepared to service or deal with or handle. Just can't. It's not there. It's not ready to handle it. Nothing but disruption and pain. It's going to happen. And those jobs are now lost. So what are people going to do who've lost their jobs? Go back into the black market, which, is, which the group is not prepared to handle. The community is not prepared to handle that. So instead, I say, create something that is next to it. Create a community answer in tandem with the government answer and give that community, an uh, that community answer a real chance to compete with the government. So the government has two choices. It gets better or it goes away. But when it goes away, the community answer or answers, I hope, have stepped up to support the community as it needs to be supported. That's always my answer. And some people say, no, you got to disband. Fine, you think that. I'm not leaving the party because you don't agree with me. I don't care. I'm the guy who's, who runs for office. I'm the guy who gets the votes. The ANCAP guy doesn't even vote. I'm not concerned. He doesn't even vote. If he does vote, he votes for me anyway. If I'm on a ticket, he's going to vote for me anyway. He might be mad at me, but he's st I'm still getting his vote even though he's mad at me because he still knows I'm way better than the other two options or he doesn't vote. So, yes, you're correct, and you will still be bothered by people who will say that. Now, you might think, so, Larry, shouldn't we get rid of those ANCAPs or those anarchists? No. No, no, and no. And I'm very forward about this. People get mad at me about this all the time, too. They go, Larry, why don't you want to get rid of the anarchists, get rid of the ANCAPs? Why don't you do that? Because they are the heart of our party. They are our North Star. If we push out the anarchists and the ANCAPs and lots of want to do that, they can't wait to push them all out. It's a terrible idea. If we do that, this party will either become Republican light or Democrat light, depending upon how many people rush to us. That's what will happen. I would like this party to not become Republican light or Democrat light. I would like it to stay focused on the idea of let's keep moving towards liberty, which the North Star is the ANCAP. That's the North Star. Now, how, how fast can we get there, go towards? I don't know. Our communities and civilization right now is nowhere near ready for that. Not even close. We are at least 100 years away from that. And I know a bunch of ANCAPs are ready to yell at me now. I'm going to get a bunch of bad DMs. Shut up, 
Larry. But that's what I believe. I think we're at least 100 years away from that. That's my personal view. You can disagree with me if you like. But can we start moving towards it? Yeah. Yeah. So, Matt, let's move towards it. Whatever that takes, I'm in. I'm in. I hope that answers your question. So, all right. Andrew says, the good, the bad, the ugly living in New York. The good, beautiful scenery. Yes. And the many things to do. Yes. The bad, the power-hungry elected officials and their laws mandates to hurt people. Yep. The ugly, Governor Cuomo and his laws mandates and hostility towards people disagree with him. That is an accurate description of New York State right there, Andrew. Yes. It is a beautiful, amazing state with lots of things to do. That's true. And then there's the bad part and people are leaving. That's the problem. Adrian says, the problem solvers caucus. Thank you. I knew somebody would say that. Yes, absolutely. The problem solvers caucus. That's the one. Thank you, Adrian. Yes. Missy says, please help support the show up way for free. Yes. Like, subscribe, share. She's right. Hit the notification bell. Yes. Subscribe to my YouTube page, guys. If you haven't already, please go to YouTube. Subscribe to it. It does matter. The more subscriptions I have, the more people think that I'm cool and super savvy and stuff. So <laughs> let them believe that's awesome. Twitter also matters. And sharp way stuff. The sharp way social media properties need to grow. A lot of sharp ones are doing well. I need the sharp way ones to grow. It does matter. And because of that, by the way, this Thursday, my show will only be on sharp way social media, nothing else. Only sharp way social media. And tomorrow will be sharp way Instagram only. So I'm going to be moving the shows over to sharp way stuff. So please subscribe to it so you can do that. And if you want to help out, of course, head over to patreon.com slash sharp way. Throw me some cash so I can do that. So I keep paying my team. If you may not know this now, if you click right now on the link in the description that says link tree on it, that link tree, you can check out our little clips. We do a bunch of little clips. You can show to other people, pop up on um, on, on Twitter. There's a TikTok account. You want to do some TikToking? We got that there too. We also have a, everything's a podcast. You want to listen to any of these shows, the older shows, listen to any of them if you want to whenever, whenever you can. They're all there also. And that's all done by the team. And how do I support the team? Right there. Sponsorship and my sponsor. So thank you for that. I appreciate that. So yes. All right. Um, let's see if I can keep doing this here. Um, Joe says redistricting for Congress seats is this year for 2022. Thank you. There we go, Joe. Redistricting starts this year for next year. I appreciate that. Yes. Um, I'm not sure if that MW Knox. I'm going to call you Knox because I don't know what the rest of it is. Knox. Uh, I'm on board with the Mises caucus since they seem to be the most motivated to make the LP relevant. If other people show the same drive, I'll support them too. I'm I'm with you, Knox. I am. And that was my point, right? If people don't like the uh the Mises caucus, I got it. Then let's out let's let's out recruit them. You don't like them, I'll recruit them. I completely agree. And I and I but also out organize. The Mises caucus is very organized. Right. And people say, Well, Larry, are you a part of the Mises caucus? I'm part of any caucus that will have me. And the Mises caucus has been so good, they've actually asked me to help them. So I have. When the other caucuses ask me, which they ne- almost never do, I have too. Every once in a while they ask me, but they usually don't. They usually don't. They just do their stuff and go, Larry doesn't care. But then when they ask me, and I go, yeah, I'll help. Sure. You mean to help raise money for you? I do it. And they go, oh, wait a minute. You'll help? Yeah, I've been saying it literally for five years. That if you ask me for help, I will help you. And they don't. So I agree. We can't continue to be a social club. Agreed. Yes. So. Let's see if I can grab this here if I can. Um, Phil says, Jeff Bezos get $10, million, $10 billion to buy movie studios and $20 billion would solve homelessness. If we're going to have big government, we should have one that acts on behalf of the people. Huh. You know, it's, 
it is a valid point, Phil. I just don't think it can. But I mean, to be to if we're going to walk down that road, imagine if we actually had a massive government, massive, as big as we have now, but it wasn't doing things like bombing people or creating unnecessary you know laws to stop us from smoking weed or giving money to, to people, but it was really supporting us with, you know, free healthcare and free college and awesome roads and all kind of cool stuff. Even though I'd still be against it, I think it would create a bad culture overall. At least you'd be okay with the money you it's being spent. You'd at least wouldn't feel so damn cheated. I still don't think it'd be a great, I think short term, it'd be great short term. I think long term, I think it would hurt because it has to, if you allow Goliaths to survive and rule you, eventually those Goliaths become corrupt. Eventually those Goliaths don't respect the Davids. They just don't. It's how it works. Could we have short-term success that way? 100%. Maybe even 20, 30 years. Maybe. I think you could. It's possible depending on who was in charge and or the rules. But eventually you get a population that just goes, oh, whatever the government says is fine. And we're almost there now. In which case then you become sheep. And so I like the idea of what you're, you're saying in theory. I think, in, again, we could get short-term benefit from it, but in the long-term, we've got to start moving towards smaller government that gives us more freedom, protects us more from others, not from ourselves, that protects us from others. Much better way of doing things. So anyway, yes. Tim says, I've got really bad news, everyone. Politics is a popularity contest. Yeah, Tim, that is an accurate statement. So building bridges as tenuous as they may be is the real path forward. Yes, yes, and yes, 100%. Yes. So let me see if I can keep going here. Bipartisanship isn't all it's cracked up to be. When the R's and D's reach an agreement, it's pretty safe to assume we're all getting screwed. That's true. Yes, 100%. Yes, when they're both agreeing, we're going to war or we're starting some law to take away money or we're increasing taxes. Absolutely. Yes. hundred percent. Yes. Uh, Jonathan says, I, I heard the U.S. is moving planes around the world in the case we go to war with China. We're not going to war with China. That's not going to happen. We're not going to war with China. I don't know why that's not going to happen. And let me explain why we're not going to war with China. Um, they have nuclear weapons, so we can't nuke them. We're not going to land Marines on the beach and fight a nation. That can, and I want to say this, literally, not figuratively, with no hyperbole, literally put 10 million men in uniform in the field in six months. And then lose all of them down to the man, have all of them killed or wounded or captured, and put another 10 million in the field again right after the last one of those is killed, wounded, or captured. We're not going to fight a land war against China there. That's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. We're not going to fight a naval war. Why? Because the Navy will be destroyed in five minutes. Our Navy is so superior to the Navy. It's not even close. So there will be no naval war. There will be no nuclear war. There will be no ground war. We're going to bomb them or something? What are we going to do? There's no, there's no war with China. That's, that's a fantasy. The only war that hap- will happen is what's happening now. The one we're losing, which is the economic war, which they're whipping our ass, and the cyber war, which their lackeys, the Russians, are kicking our ass. So the wars that we're having right now are cyber and economic, and we're losing both of those wars, clearly, but no physical war. 
There's no plane run because of that. I, they're not. They're not going to do that. It's not. I don't believe it at all. I don't buy it one at, at at all. They could literally, and I mean this literally, put ten. We as Americans, maybe, maybe, could put five million troops into the field within six months. May, that's pushing it. I mean, I'm really put maybe a year, five million in maybe in a year we could put into the field, and that would actually hurt our economy. That would hurt our economy. And if we lost even half of them and replaced five more million, that would really hurt our economy. We could do it another year, maybe, maybe another year. Our economy, they could lose 20 million, wouldn't dent their economy. They could literally kill, capture, wound 20 million Chinese, 20 million Chinese. That's how many total Russians were killed in all of World War II. The Chinese could lose that in two years. I'm like, all right, not to Maine in the field. Just like that. We're not fighting them. We're not, we're not invading China. Not going to happen. I'm just being forward. Kelly says it's about transparency. The government can, can state that NIH got X amount of dollars, but not where that X amount went. Ah, yes. We get lost in the various grants, et cetera, uh, to so-called private organizations. Please explain why we're funding virus research in China at all. Yes. I'm not naive. All countries have a bioweapons program, whether open or covert. But to fund even $1 China, are we crazy? Your points are very valuable, Kelly. I'm not necessarily, not by default, against funding something in China. Not necessarily. What I'm saying is any covert secret stuff, I thought we're fighting a a, a cold war against China. And now we're funding research to make them have better weapons than we have and we trust them. There has to be total transparency. If you're going to be funding stuff in China, again, I'm not by default against it. I'm very skeptical, super skeptical. But could you convince me? I I could be convinced if it's the right thing. I mean, maybe it's the right answer. I mean, in in theory, would I rather have dangerous stuff on someone else's soil than mine? Okay, maybe, right? And again, the Chinese lose a million people. They go, yeah, did we lose? I didn't even notice. That's what the Chinese do. I I lost a million. I didn't even notice. They, they, They don't even notice losing a million people. So maybe for them, that's an issue. Um. But your, your point about transparency is everything. It's got to be, if you're going to do something that would be so, so ostensibly wrong or bad or even to a point of maybe even treasonous, you've got to be so insanely transparent that no one doubts anything. Kelly, you're totally right. You've got to be super transparent. Transparent to the point where people are just shocked. That That's how transparent you got to be. You've got to be crazy transparent i mean you're totally right I, I i can't imagine um them doing it without that and they didn't and now this goes back to the cover-up piece now the cover-up looks terrible now it's a cover-up horrible your, your point's right in the money uh, i love that yes paula says i hate to say it but the l needs to take a page from the trump playbook and teach out to minorities yes without pandering this i gotta give you right there there are Most people don't know why so many more by percentage minorities voted for Trump. People think that many minorities became conservative. That's not true. And again, anyone who has either Hispanic or black people in their family or friends, as I do, you know that a lot of a lot of minorities are actually conservative. There are a lot of black people who are actually conservative, go to church, follow exactly what you would think of as a conservative anti-abortion, everything you, what you would consider conservative, they are that. Many of them are, but they vote Democrat. People in my family vote Democrat. When I'm not as much anymore, 
that's kind of changing. But but they they're affected by this too, right? But why would they vote Democrat, even though they're conservative? Because the emotion is Republicans hate us. Republicans hate us. So I would vote for somebody that, that hates me. They hate us, so I can't vote for them because they hate me. So I'm not voting for them. That's been the emotion. Trump was actually able to get people to think that he doesn't hate them. I know that may sound crazy to some of you. So what happened? He actually got actual conservative people of color, minority conservatives, to not vote Democrat. And they voted conservative Republican because they already were. So he didn't convert people into being conservative. He got conservatives to stop voting Democrat. That's what he did well. I think we can do the same thing. There's a lot of libertarians who are in who are in the minority community, tons of them, but they vote the way they think is appropriate for the Democrats left or right. You're right, Paula. We can move out and get them to vote libertarian. And there are people doing it. I'm trying my best, but people like, uh, people like uh, Ricky Harrington in Arkansas, right? Maj Ture in Pennsylvania. You do have people out there doing it, right? You do. Is it as strong as it could be? No, we need to be better. But we are trying and I'm doing it. And I think others are too. I think you're totally correct. Uh, many black and brown voters, I think, are looking for a new political home. You're right. They are. 100% true. Yes. So yes, I appreciate that. Yes. Um, last giraffe says, Polaris is 430 light years away. That's about how far we are from Afghanistan. I, yeah, <laughs> yes. Um, I don't know that. I hope we're not that far away. God, I hope I hope you're wrong on that. But I get your point. It's very good. I like that. That's good. Pete says, "Why is everyone scared of freedom?" Um, because it is scary. Remember, what people tend to love is is tend to want. I should say, or love maybe is the idea of the idea of um, safety, the idea, not even safety, consistency, maybe that's it, right? Stability, there's the word. They like stability. And freedom is always shown as chaos and the world's ending. And I think that's what scares them. Our, our public idea of this, our modern idea is that, oh my God, if I'm not in, if the government is in control, you know, we're fighting in the streets with machine guns trying to get the last bottle of gas. Right, it's Mad Max. We think it's that. When it's not, it's not the Walking Dead. I think we have to do a better job, Pete, of explaining that and moving them towards it. I think that's where it is. So yes. Um, uh, Matt says, um, "Libertarian for life." After this answer, <laughs> thank you, Matt. Agree about the ANCAP stuff. Spike is an ANCAP, and I like him. There we go. See, we can still like people. Yes, we can. We can still. We want to make sure people are still pointing in the right direction. Yes. Um, libertarians have the most caucuses. I think that's true. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's true. Bob says, do you think there's a libertarian argument for climate regulation, given that sea level rise will lead to property damage, not violation? P.S. The military are the biggest polluters. Um, I, I don't, I don't think that we need regulation in that regard. I think we can do it with a carrot and not the stick. The problem with the using uh, regulations, and, and I'll give you many examples of this. Regulations are almost always written by corporate lobbyists. When the regulations come through, even they're written by corporate lobbyists, they are adjusted by corporate lobbyists. So the regulations aren't going to work. They're going to be broken. There's going to be loopholes. They always are. I mean, we've had an EPA now for what, 50 years? Is that about right? Is my math about right? About 50 years, give or take? 
and we still have massive polluters. Hasn't changed. We still have massive polluters. Um, bigger than ever. We still had Flint. I mean, we still had, you know, BP. We have tons of polluters all over the place. New York State's filled with places that just can't get fixed and repaired. Terrible places. And we have ha- we've had an EPA for 50 years. Um, we have tons of regula- relation- regulations. I think instead we we use the carrot, not the stick. It's the idea, it's a theory, right? Having a um having a prize or an assistance or a goal or something that the government does for you to do something that makes sense. And an example might be, and I'm making this up for sake of argument only, Bob, because I wasn't prepared for the specifics of this question, but something like this as an example. Um, let's say we decide that a company says, hey, I think we can um, deal with uh, climate change by stopping people eating meat. Uh, not meat, meat, I'm sorry, stopping people from using so much land for grazing for cattle, which causes a massive amount of greenhouse gases. Okay, great, good. So what can you do? Well, I can make, I don't know, laboratory meat. Great. We'll do uh, you know, an X game, not X, an X project for that, a project X for that. So the first person who does it gets some benefit by the government. Maybe it's literally the government promoting them. Maybe it's a little government helps them out. Maybe they get a special tax break. Maybe they get a special amount of intellectual property for a certain amount of time, whatever. Something like that that puts support. Similar to Operation Warp Speed, which got the um which got the vaccine done. And one of the things that the vaccine did, I mean, Operation Warp Speed did was it guaranteed the government would purchase X amount of things from the government, right? From the company. So the company that got it, the government agreed, we will buy X amount from you. So something like that could happen. You could create a a system to where anyone who agrees to buy the, you know, if McDonald's agrees to buy the, whatever, the burgers, I'm making this up obviously of argument, but you get my point. If, if, if McDonald's agrees to buy the burgers, you know, from you, Williams Inc., which makes the factory, you know, the impossible burger, whatever it is, right? Then the government will give McDonald's a tax break or a break on um, some kind of insurance or whatever the case may be, or IP for the impossible burger, you know, for the next three years or something like that. So I think there are ways you can do it that will actually do things. Regulations tend to just get people to go around it. And then regulations also at one point become part of the business model. If you regulate something and say you can't pollute or whatever, if you pollute, you got to spend a million dollars. What winds up happening is the company says, okay, a million dollars, we'll just add that into our profit and add that into our business model. And if something goes wrong, we'll pay for it. Or we get insurance to pay for it or something like that. That's what happens constantly. So instead, give, give them incentive to do the right thing. Find the things that will work and have them do it. And of course, the next thing is we could severely reduce the military budget by lots. So I don't think... You want to do the regulation piece. I think you want to find ways for companies to do the right thing that will make actual impact. And then when others do it, others figure this out. So yes, I, I, I hope that answers your question. All right. Um, let's see if I can keep uh, dealing with this here. Um, can you do an episode purely on the South China Sea dispute? So maybe I just want a China, which would include that. All right, let me consider that. Let me see if I can do one on just maybe... I did one on foreign policy. I did actually did it last. I did it on foreign policy last Tuesday on Shotway Instagram. Did a bunch of foreign policy on that. So that may be one thing. But yes, I will. Um, yeah, I will check that out. Absolutely. Yes. All right. Uh, let's see here. Remember, all the anti-China propaganda also comes from our own government. Also true. Yes, absolutely. Tom says, you hear the hackers got hacked and took the money back. Oh, I didn't know that. 
I hope that's true. I've been talking about this forever. Haven't I been talking about the idea that we need offensive cyber capabilities? Yes, tons of it. Yes, again and again and again. We have to be able to use aggressive, offensive pieces just like that. And we often don't. And we often don't. Thank you for that. Yes. Pete says, what can we expect from your new book coming out in July? Uh, my book in July is called, uh, coming out in July is called On Happiness. Um, and it will be literally on happiness. It'll be, about, it'll be about happiness. It is about how we as humans can kind of unlock the three keys to happiness and how we can be happier in our life, in our business, in our family, in everything that we're doing. My campaign has always been about life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. So who am I to tell you about happiness if I can't tell you about happiness? So yes, it's uh, the idea, it discusses, it's a bit autobiographical. And I talk a lot about all my failures in my life and I've had many of them. Um, I talk about my bouts with self-doubt, my bouts with almost losing my marriage. I've been married now, see 19 years married, 21 years with my wife um, and how I've almost been divorced three times. Um, how I almost lost my family, my mother's death, my business collapsing and me considering ending everything, even my own life in 20, oh, 2009, 2010, all those things, all the problems that I had some, my, some, my, when I was growing up, issues that I had and how I try to get around them. And then I give you ideas and concepts on how I've helped people to move forward through those things and what you can do to make that happen. We all have issues. We, we all fall down. The question is, how do we get back up and how do we know what to even search for? And it's a good general rule. There were three parts to happiness. One is feeling loved. Two is feeling respected. And three is having a purpose. And if you have all three of them, you're going to be happy. Most of us don't retain all three because it's fleeting. We lose love. We lose purpose. We lose respect. Happens to us all. But when you have two of them, it's easy to find the third. When you have one of them, you got a shot. When you have none of them, you become hopeless and very often self-destructive. It's just common for humans to just become self-destructive. When you can't or don't get happiness over a certain period of time, you can't gather, and when you don't gather either of those three, you begin to believe that you are either unworthy of happiness, and that's internal. You don't always consciously think that, or you have to think that you're incapable. You just, it just can't happen for you. It's impossible. And if both of those things happen, you believe that you're unworthy and or it's incapable, you start to you start to become self-destructive because you're not worth it. So why would you bother? Why would anyone love you if you can't love yourself? All those types of things begin to happen in your life. And I discuss those with myself personally, others that I've known, obviously their names used. Um, so yeah. And I actually, to be forward, my daughter is actually illustrating it. <laughs> so there's illustrations in it too. If you want to, you can head right now to sharpway.com slash book. Or just go to the sharpway.com, click book, and you can see some excerpts from it, things we're putting together. Um, I hope it will come out by my birthday, which is July 12th. But if it doesn't, it'll come out sometime in July. But I hope by my birthday. So, yes. So, anyway, I hope that answered your question. Yes. Let's see if I can keep going here. All right. Um, let's see here. Um, John Barnes says, I'm 100% respectful. Awesome, John. Thank you for taking the test. I appreciate it. Circle says, can we pre-order the book? I just read the theory of self-determination. It reminds me of the concept of your book. Yes, they're very similar. They're very similar. Absolutely. So um, I don't know if we're going to do a pre-order. My team is putting it together. Again, all the things I keep talking about, you guys are helping me. You know, I have to have a writer, all the things I'm doing here. You see, I keep telling you, we're, we have different, we have so many different pages we have to follow and cover. It's a whole lot of stuff 
right, that we have to work on to get this going. So thank you for that. Um, I don't know if we can do it yet. My team will be deciding on that. I'm putting stuff together. The team will decide all the rest. So, yes. All right. So I keep going here. Um, all right. Here. Um, Paula says, Larry, you're seeing more vets, especially combat vets, lean libertarian. I have, which is encouraging. Yes. 100%. I see that. I have, I have many of them on my show. Um, I talk about it often. Yes. 100%. I, I do like um, that idea. Remember something. Most people who are veterans, most vets, they became vets because they believed that it was the right thing to do for the country. Not all, but the vast majority of veterans who join think I'm doing the right thing to protect my country, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. Some doing it for the right job, some are, but most doing it because of that. So many of them do it. And when they get out, many of them are, 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 are losing that purpose now. They felt like they were doing something bigger than themselves. And they come out and they're like, now what? Okay, now I have a job. But is that really life, liberty, happiness? It's paycheck. It's not bad, but, you know, that's it. I was doing something bigger. Well, Libertarian Party, all about life, liberty, sort of happiness. It is. So now this becomes your second mission. So I think many vets are seeing that as I can still fight and do what I wanted to do in the first place. And many of them, by the way, are also disenchanted. They go, I thought I was fighting for life and liberty but I wound up just guarding a, an oil rig that was coming across the Iraqi desert. That's not life, Liberty. What? And they become disenchanted. And then they come home. They come home disenchanted. And now they go, wait a minute. Libertarian Party. They get it. Yeah, they get it. So I do think that we're seeing more and more of them. I, I do. I agree completely. Yes. So um, let's see if I can keep going here. Grab a couple more. Guys, I appreciate all of the comments. I'm trying to get them all. Sometimes they come back, they come down so fast, I can't always grab them all. Michael, Michael, how are you, sir? Um, Larry, my mom loves listening to you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Yes, thank you so much. Yes. Jericho says, Thomas Sowell discussed a safety net being necessary to keep people from being desperate enough to turn to radical ideology such as communism. This is a valid point, right? The thing to remember is it's not that I go back to what Bastiat said. Just because I don't want the government to do something doesn't mean I don't want that thing being done. I want my children raised. I just don't want the government raising my children. I do want my children raised, though, but not by the government. Do I want people who are in trouble to be serviced? Of course I do. I'm a compassionate, empathetic human being like most people are. And we would like people who are hurt or in trouble to be helped. Of course we do. I just don't want the government to do it. So if we create systems in the community that will support people who are in trouble, then we don't require the government to do it. But we can still create a social safety net. It'll just be community-based, voluntarily based. We can do that. So Thomas O was correct. But the problem is, as, as some people don't get and they get mad at me when I say it, but I'm just being clear. There are some communities that have been serviced by the government for so long that they no longer have the institutional knowledge to service themselves. COVID showed us that when it came to schooling and things like that. The community couldn't survive on its own. It had been serviced by the government for so long, it lost institutional knowledge to service itself. So if you notice, every policy I come up with is a policy that helps communities grow their own. 
Here is a policy to assist the community to grow on its own so they can compete with the government. So the government either gets better or goes away. Both are good. I don't mind either one of them. It either goes away or gets better. Great. But when it does go away, it's not because I abolished it. It's because the people say, why the hell do we have it anymore? These community groups support us fine. In fact, better. Why am I paying taxes for this thing? And that's the goal. The problem, Jericho, is that's a long-term solution. And people often don't want the long-term solution. They want the short-term solution. I'm looking for a long-term solution. When that changes culture, so that people are still being serviced when they get in trouble, but by communities, by people who actually care, right? And I'm not against bureaucrats. Most bureaucrats are just people who are trying to make a living and pay their bills, as most of us are. No problem with that. You want to get a government job? Good on you. Government jobs, good jobs. Please, good luck. The problem that I have with it is when I want someone to help me, I'm in trouble. Do I want a bureaucrat or do I want someone who works for a nonprofit? Well, why do most people get bureaucratic jobs, government jobs? Or do most people get it? You know, because it's a good job. Not a bad thing. I get it. They're right. It's usually a good job. Usually have good benefits. Usually you can retire. Good job. Good on you. Please go get a government job. No worries. Why does the average person join a nonprofit? Because they care. I have a different group of people in front of me if it's a nonprofit. Just how it works, right? The average person is going to be have that, that nonprofit job because they care. If you work in a nonprofit, you know very often it's nowhere near as cool as the government job. It just isn't, right? We know this. Often you'll sometimes have good benefits in nonprofits. That does happen sometimes, but you're rarely getting paid the market rate, rarely. You're often doing extra work because they know you care and you will do it. You're often getting squeezed because the money's supposed to be going to the people who are being helped, not you. And you're often okay with it because you join because you want to help those people. So you're kind of okay not getting as much money because you want to help the people. So I would rather have a whole lot more of those and then maybe still have a small government backup in case those others can't support them, maybe. But generally speaking, I think that's not going to be necessary. So anyway, I hope that answered your 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 issue. I'm trying, if I can, to to go through as many as I can um, to get the answers um, to the best of our ability here. So, all right, let's see here. Um, we come home and find that the government becomes the next logical threat on the very principles we thought we were fighting for. Ooh, look at that, Phil. It makes you feel very sour when a cop pulls you over for a violation you later learn was legislated by a corporation. Nicely put, Phil. Nicely put. Yes, I, I can't say anything. Well done. Tim, Shane Hazel shared a story with me about Ramadi. He's uh, a former First Marine Recon officer, and they had the bad guys in their sights and were ordered to let them go from D.C. It's a great story. I have to ask him about it. I was on a show, ooh, a year ago, maybe? Well, maybe, many people don't know this. Um, one of the reasons why there was a runoff in Georgia was because of Shane Hazel. He ran for Senate and got like 3%. I think that's right. And the spread was literally a percent. So he was the reason why um, there was a runoff. So nicely done. Well done, Shane. If you had to be watching, well done. Nicely done. Just a great, a great thing. Yes. Paula says, I wish more libertarians would show the compassionate side, at least when talking to the press. This is one of our biggest problems, Paula. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. You're going to make me jump out of my seat. You are exactly right. 
the funniest thing is, if any of you care, I, I showed this, I don't know, a month ago, maybe a couple of weeks ago. Um, I showed here my speech at Queens College. I did a presentation on poverty. And I gave all the answers that I could to poverty. And it wasn't, get the government out, let people fend for themselves, bootstrap yourself. That sounds terrible. I did none of that. I gave actual policies that were libertarian policies that did not force anyone to do anything, did not increase any taxes to actually get people to see how do you get yourself out of poverty. It is possible. Why? Because I do care about people. That's why I care about freedom. The reality of it is, you'll hear me say it often, it's why it's about happiness all the time. The reality of it is, the Libertarian Party should not be about liberty. Sadly, people think it is. It's not. It's about happiness. Life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. They go in that order. You're born, you get some freedom, you can go find some happiness. Well, we're born. Got that one down. It's the liberty part we're struggling with. See, if we open that up, now we can pursue some happiness. That's what we all want to do. Why do I care about happiness? Because happy people don't do bad things because they're happy, right? That's the issue. They're happy. Happy people don't riot. Happy people don't steal. Happy people build families. Happy people build businesses. Happy people stay in my state, New York. Happy people do all types of cool, amazing things. Happy people is what makes a better society. Now, Larry, you're saying there'd be no bad people? Of course there's bad people. There will be bad people. That's never going to go away. But there's a difference. If I'm a bad guy, I can only do so much damage being a bad guy. To do most damage, what must I do? Recruit others. Well, where do bad guys recruit others from? Unhappy people. I'm not making that up. Paul, you know I'm telling the truth here. People who get recruited into these bad things are unhappy people. When If you're happy, Paula, and I go, hey, why don't you join my gang? You do something bad. You go, Larry, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? I'm happy. Stuff's going good for me. If you're lost and broken and you're unhappy and you don't know what you're going to do next, and I go, Paula, I got a mission for you. Come on. Let's do some bad stuff. You go, what the hell? I got nothing better to do. All right, Larry, what are we doing? Who's driving? And I've recruited you into bad stuff. And that might sound simple. You know, guys, it's true. You're happy. You don't do dumb stuff. I mean, you might do dumb stuff, but not dumb bad stuff. You don't. You're lost or hurt, or angry, or mean, or feel betrayed, you do all the bad stuff. To hell with them. Let's show them, Larry. Now me and Paula robbing banks. Be kind of fun. But no, let's not rob banks, Paula. But that's what we would do. Because you're not happy. And I'm not happy. And I'm a bad guy. So I've convinced you, and now we're freaking Bonnie and Clyde. Right? That's how that works. So compassion is, is because we want to show people how to become happy. Liberty is a means to an end. And we focus heavily on, well, it's got to be free as liberty and liberty. No, no, no. Happiness. How am I going to get happiness? Freedom. How do I get happy? Liberty. But the key is happy people. And if I make more people happy, in reality, I get happy too. One of the things I talk about in the book, since we're bringing it up, purpose, respect, and love. Talk about it in, in case of family, socially. Which family I take as inner circle, social I take as out of your inner circle, personal yourself inside you, and then professional business, that type of thing. And how do you find those things? How do you find that purpose? And this is part of it. Compassion is part of it. So thank you for that. I do appreciate that. 
very much. Yes. So, all right. Uh, Ryan says, most libertarians back the original movement, not silly, the radical fray. Um, I don't mind either way, but I think to Paula's point, you can show compassion. And no, even if you're a radical anarchist, even if you're one of those guys, you, you can still be compassionate. You can be. You can say you believe this is the best way to happen. This is what will make people happy. Imagine if we had a fully voluntary society. You could. The problem is we're not accustomed to it. We're accustomed to being mean or talking only logic or winning arguments. I don't want to win arguments. I don't. One of the reasons why I tend to win debates is because I don't care if I win the debate. I know it sounds dumb, but it's true. I don't care if I win the debate. I don't care. If I win the debate, I win the debate because I want to change the, the, the hearts and minds of the audience. That's all I care about. I want to change the hearts and minds of the audience. If I lose the debate, okay, whatever. I don't care. And that's why I really lose debates because I don't care for this debate. I'm just trying to do exactly what Paula said. Show my compassion. Let the audience know I'm human and I care about them. That's the issue. That's what I really want to do. I, I really hope that that comes across more than anything. Tim says Shane got 115,000 votes, refused to endorse anyone in the runoff and is running for governor of Georgia in the next election cycle. I need to give that man a call. I like that. I need to give that man a call. Last rap says, go ahead and rob the banks. Don't don't get Paula going. She's going to be driving down here with a, with a getaway car. Stop. <laughs> You're a bad influence. <laughs> yes. God knows they rob us. I'd rather you and Paula have the money. That's a good point. Yes, that that's true. Yes, absolutely. Paul's like, yes, you are correct. Yeah, exactly. Let's not rob banks, Paula. I think we're happier than that. I hope that's true. I really do. Yes, that's good. All right. Um, William says, well, to be honest, the pursuit of happiness was added because they took out the OG of the three life being life, liberty, and property. Yes, um, I, I do agree. Um, but the reason why property even popped up is because most of them believed that property was the route to happiness. Most of them did believe that. So that's one of the reasons why they put happiness in there. You're right. That is the story. I remember that story, right? They had, it was life, liberty, and property, but it wasn't just because of slavery. Um, It was slavery, but it was also because if you remember most of the people in, in many places, when they first started this, you couldn't vote if you didn't own land. So owning land was a, a, a reason for voting. Well, how do you get all the people that want to get behind this if you can't vote, if you don't have land? Well, now you have a, a right to property. Ooh, so does everyone get to own land? So there were a lot of things that were, um, there were a lot of reasons why that happened. But yes, you're correct. But there were a lot of reasons uh, why that was happening. So guys, I do want to make sure one thing we, we do remember, please like, comment, and share. It really does matter. It's important that we do that. Let people know I'm doing this. And as always, please, YouTube page. If you haven't subscribed, please go subscribe. It does matter. My Twitter, please go there now and subscribe if you haven't. Facebook, sharp way, not Larry Sharp, sharp way stuff. It does matter. It is important. Guys, I'm going to have to run. I appreciate all the time you guys gave me this evening. Thank you for giving me a chunk of your evening. I will see you all on Sharp Way Instagram tomorrow and maybe Patreon. I'll see if I'll do that. I'll see you all tomorrow.